All right, let's go. Let's go. Let's do the thing. Let us do the thing. Hey, everybody, I'm Kyle Rizdahl. Welcome back to Make Me Smart. Making today make sense is what we do on this pod. Indeed, and I am Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us on this Monday. First, we are going to dive into some stories of the day slash weekend, also known as our news fix. And then we'll talk about a story or two that made us smile. And uh, good to be back with you, Kai, after my little time away. It's it's good to have you back. I mean, Amy and, and all the rest of them did great, but it is good to have you back where you belong. Good to have Aww, you. Aw, thank Sounds you. Like Appreciate um, that. It, it does. I think it, it is a song, yeah, actually. It's very 1970-something. Anyway, uh, so you Anyhow. go with the news. You go ahead first, because mine are kind of... Well, both of our first stories are effectively on the same thing, yeah. which yeah. is the thing that we talked about before I left I for know. vacation, about how this fight over the debt limit was going to be different than other fights over the death debt limit, and sure enough, <laughs> Freudian slip debt limit... Uh, <laughs> Sure enough, it is. It's getting more intense, obviously, extraordinary measures. Um, But one thing that I noticed in a Washington Post story, and I know that we have another Washington Post story, is that as we are dealing with this moment, we have the people who are doing the hard brass tacks of this Mm -hmm. negotiation are pretty much all women. You have Janet Yellen over at the Treasury, right? And then, as in laid out in the Washington Post story, you have the head of the Office of Management and Budget, which actually runs the day-to-day mm-hmm. job of keeping the government running, is a woman and, in fact, the first black woman to lead mm-hmm. the OMB. The top two members of Congress on both the House and Senate side are also women. That is the committee chairs on the Senate Appropriations Committee and then the ranking chair, uh, the ranking member, which is the Democrat, and then also on the House Appropriations Committee. The chair is who's the Republican is a woman, as is the ranking member, the Democrat. And they seem to be women who pretty much get along. And mm-hmm. they've got you know, the Washington Post story lays out this sort of relationship that these women have forged with each other over the years and how it's making it in some ways, it's it's greasing the wheels a little bit as we enter this very or exist in this very fraught moment. It's a really interesting piece. And, and it's a great piece because the two people getting all the press, the two old white dudes getting all the press, are getting <laughs> exactly nowhere in moving this forward, mm-hmm. this this really, really, really serious developing crisis. And You're talking just, about a House Majority I'm, Leader. I'm talking Kevin about McCarthy the President of the United States leader. and the Speaker of the House, yeah. You know. Oh, I thought you were talking about Chuck Schumer over in the Oh, no, Sh- Schumer's <laughs> okay. out of this one. And Sh- Schumer's going to be smart enough to say, no, 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 Kev, you go. It's all going to be McCarthy and, and Biden, and they're barely yeah. speaking. I mean, they're going to sit down later this week, but who knows what they're going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so I'll go. I'll go to my my one of my items just just real quick to keep it uh, consistent topic wise. Um, for those of you who want to know what could possibly be done, Jeff Stein at the Washington Post this weekend wrote a nice piece on seven things that can be done to uh, avoid breaching the debt limit. Some of them are realistic. Some of them aren't. You may call some gimmicks. Some are not. Extra constitutional, perhaps not. Take your pick. But you got to know because they're going to be coming up all over the place in these negotiations. So read that piece by Jeff Stein. We'll have it on the show page for sure. I should say, like, some of these I had heard of, but others I had not. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're all very interesting. Like, I've heard tons about minting the trillion dollar coin. But number two on this list is perhaps the most 
simple and, and obvious, and I was surprised I hadn't like heard of it as much, which is this the idea of just saying, you know, it's incompatible with spending mm-hmm. laws because mm-hmm. spending laws are just that, laws, which, you know, if you go back to your, you know, civics class, Congress passes laws about spending the government's money and the executive branch, the president, is supposed to enact those laws passed by Congress. And if Congress passes laws saying you have to spend X amount of dollars on X, the president would then be breaking the law if, you know, up until this point, only he. He has not done that. Um, And therefore – you can't avoid breaking the debt limit, yep. you know, blowing through the debt limit. It's very it interesting, yeah. Mess. It is a mess. Uh, okay. All right, what's we your second are, You got another one? Yeah, we're super Washington heavy uh, today. Right. This is actually about campaign finance, uh, which I always find very interesting. One of the things that has come up quite a bit in my reporting over the years as I try to do campaign finance stories is it used to be that a lot of Washington reporters that did campaign finance stories, we sort of cluster around the FEC reporting deadlines, right? Mm-hmm. Because every quarter or whatever, campaigns and candidates had to report their spending, how much money they raised, and this, that, and the other. And you might get a bit of that nowadays around like really high-profile elections just as a top-line number, but they matter less and less because the official on-the-books money – is becoming a smaller and smaller portion of the actual money spent in campaigns because so much of it is funneled through dark money campaigns. So the Brennan Center has this analysis piece titled George Santos, Sam Bankman-Fried, and Citizens United looking at all of the ways that the Citizens United decision, which was, what, 13 years ago? Yeah, 13 years Mm -hmm. ago, has it's still having massive ripple effects in ways that Either the Supreme Court didn't anticipate or even though people warned them about it, they were just like, eh, no biggie. It's not going to happen. But like we talked, was it a year ago with the Ted Cruz case? um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reimbursing himself or something like that, right? Yeah, making loans to your campaign, right? Right. So the Supreme Court said, sure, you can make as many um, donations to your campaign as you want to. No biggie. However, if you look at what George Santos did – he made a $705,000 personal loan to his campaign after reporting only $55,000 in income in 2020. Hmm. So congratulations, you can make an unlimited loan personally to your campaign. No biggie, the Supreme Court says, but you don't necessarily have to explain where your money came from. And so it's just one of these additional ways that this stuff comes up. Similarly, um, one of the interesting things laid out in this article, but that's also come up in the Sam Brankman-Fried hearings about the collapse of uh, FTX, is that, you know, Sam Bankman-Fried basically said the quiet thing out loud, which is that very publicly he was being liberal and contributing to liberal Mm -hmm. causes, but privately he was funneling all this money through dark money groups to – fund conservative campaigns uh, in, you know, to basically get the kind of cryptocurrency regulation that he wanted. Again, legacy of Citizens United. And it's just fascinating that these cases, that campaign finance is just harder and harder to track. And I know that campaign finance reform is on no one's agenda right now, but it continues to have an impact on the way that our country operates. 
Yeah, it, it's interesting you point out that it's on nobody's agenda right now because really it's the whole damn agenda in Washington. I mean, it's all about raising money mm. so you can run again. That's that's the whole deal. That's the whole yep. deal. Uh, all right, super quick, just in time for me already having bought an EV. EV prices are coming down. <laughs> Tesla cut its prices not too long ago now. Today from the Wall Street Journal, this item, Ford is cutting the prices of its EV Mustang, the Mach-E, by as much as 9%. I will say just entirely apart from me, it's a really good thing, right? EVs are really expensive. Mm-hmm. We need more people to get them, and the price cutting should go on. Thank you very much. I wonder how close we are to almost a break-even point because between the drop in price and the tax credit like if if these price cuts continue like when are we gonna hit yeah you know that they are on par yeah. and it feels like it's getting closer and closer like you at this point you can get a nice car or sort of a basic level ev for you know which is still going to be a nice car for kind of the same yeah. right yeah I haven't shopped for a car in a very long time but I mean, you know evs evs are expensive EVs are expensive, and they need to get less expensive so that more people can get them. That, they just need, yeah. you know, and this is a good sign. This is a good sign. Okay. Drew. I got, I got nothing smile-wise, but you got two, so you go. Yeah, I mean, and ours is going to make the both of us smile because we both love space. Yep. And, you know, I don't want to talk about my space story without acknowledging sort of we're around the anniversary of the, the Challenger um, mm-hmm. explosion. But... You know, as that was such a tragic moment for for the country and for space exploration. And so I think it even is more of a testament to where we are now and the fact that a lot of people did have to sacrifice to have all of the advancements in space exploration that we've been celebrating and and talking about over, you know, basically every single time you and I talk about space. But my particular space story is a bit more uh, earthbound, which is that uh, there's going to be a, um, how do I say it? Moon Mars eclipse. Is there a word for this? I'm sure Mm. there is. I'm sure there is. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure there is. Yeah. Oh, here it is. It's in the article that I linked to. Occultation? Okay. It's what okay. This is from uh, space.com. On Monday night, January 30th, the moon will eclipse Mars in what's known as an occultation, during which the moon will pass in front of Mars from the perspective of Earth. Now, unfortunately, hmm. only a small chunk of the planet is actually going to be able to see this. But if you are in the southern United States, um, that is from Southern California all the way to northern Florida, and according to space.com, as far north as Oklahoma, um, oh, and they cite back to inthesky.org, you might be able to see this either with binoculars or with your naked eye, or of course, if you're cool and you have a nice telescope, you'll get a really good view of it. Also, the Griffith Lab Observatory in Los Angeles is going oh, to cool. live stream it for free online. Oh, so cool. that might be cool to look at if, let's see, it looks like... The live stream is going to start at 11 p.m. Eastern and last for two hours. So it's not even like middle of the middle of the night like a lot of these things are. That's very cool. Yeah, 835 Los Angeles time for those of you on the West Coast. Yeah. That's cool. All right. So my other make me smile actually came from my uh, DMs. Kelly O'Reilly messaged me while I was on vacation. And here's what she said. Kimberly, I know you're on vacation, and I hope you are resting in the best possible way. Thank you. But I had to share with you my word for mocktails. Because remember, right before Mm -hmm. I left, I was talking about whether we call Mm -hmm. them mocktails, zero-proof spirits, whatever. 
Kelly says, I quit drinking in October and reached out to the Facebook group for the lexicology podcast I listened to for a better word than mocktail. Now, I don't, I do not call them mocktails. I sit back with a refreshing cleverage these days, oh, and it go. keeps me clever. So, a cleverage. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Very yeah. nice. Very nicely done. Yeah. It's, what, what was it I was calling it before? Spirit-proof cocktails yeah, before? Yeah, whatever Cleverage. it was. It, it done, did not roll trippingly <laughs> off the tongue, let's just say that. Yes. Whereas cleverage, cleverage uh, sounds does. much nice. Kind of yeah, does. beverages and cleverages. There you go. So I feel like it very much fits in the Make Me Smart yeah. theme. So thanks, Kelly, for that. All right. That is it for us today. Uh, you can join us tomorrow for a deep dive on chat, GPT, and generative artificial intelligence. Obviously, there's a ton of hype around it at the moment. Lots of money going into the space. Lots of uh, teachers freaking out about what it's going to mean for them. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to try to cut through some of the noise around it and get into some of these moral and ethical implications of all this as well as how it's going to, you know, potentially impact our day to day. And if you've got a question or comment about artificial intelligence or ChatGPT or anything else you care to share with us, let us know, would you? 508-827-6278, 508-UB-SMART. Or you can send us a note, regular old email, makemesmart at marketplace.org. We'll get those too, and, uh, you know, we'll read them on the pod. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Berg-Seeker. Today's program was engineered by Drew Jostad. Ellen Walfus writes our newsletter, and our intern is An uh, Antonio Barreras. Marissa Cabrera is our acting senior producer. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. Around here. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.